Well, amen. Pastor Greg talks about having to follow Dave Aldridge. Uh, man, how do I follow that? Um, what a great morning, amen. Uh, there's nothing better than being drawn to the remembrance and the reminders of just the goodness of our God. Like the greatness of our God is just overwhelming. And man, I, it just, it's just amazing to worship him this morning. I have to say too, it was kind of, um, it was so, it was so cool. Uh, Dave, um, saying the anchor holds and, uh, I just have to say, and then many of you will remember this, uh, Marie Wilcox, uh, used to sing that song. Uh, that was kind of the song that I really remember her singing, uh, from the time I started attending this church, uh, in 1998, uh, we were at a different location, the little church over here, Clear Lake Road, Brown City Road. And, uh, that was the song I always remember her singing. And, uh, it was just so cool to hear Dave sing that, um, to be reminded of that. Uh, she's since gone on to be with the Lord and, uh, just a great heritage of faith and, uh, just a love for the Lord. So what a, what a blessing that was. Um, and I have to say too, I always remember, um, and I'm sure, uh, Keith and Renee, remember that anybody that was at Camp Michael, uh, for any amount of time, uh, Joan Aldridge, Dave's mom and Marie Wilcox used to help in the kitchen. They did a lot of the meals and stuff when it was our camp week. And I remember going in there to get coffee or different things. Um, because when you work with children at camp, you need a lot of coffee. Amen. Uh, lots and lots of coffee. Um, mostly I was a counselor for the kids groups and stuff. And so that was even, I had lots of coffee. Um, Eight to 11-year-olds, I don't know how many fit in a cabin, 10, 10 kids in a cabin, 12, I don't know, it, was, it seemed like 37, eight to 11-year-olds. Um, but I always remember going in the kitchen uh, in the morning when they were making breakfast, and it was just so cool uh, to hear them singing, just singing praise to the Lord, and, um, and I don't know why I'm getting emotional, it's just, it's just such an amazing thing uh, to see people and it's so cool how God orchestrates all this to see people living out their faith, to really living it, not just talking about it on Sundays or, you know, hey, yeah, I'm praying for you. And, and, you know, just kind of these trite things that we'll throw out there, but living it genuine followers of Christ um, to where they just can't help but just praise. They just can't help but sing. They can't help but just worship him. And uh, I, I need that reminder of my life. And so I'm so thankful for people like that. And so, wow, I mean, I don't know where we're going to go from this, but um, open your Bibles to First Peter. We're going to get there in a little bit, but those of you guys that know me, I don't usually get like this on too often, but um, just something about worshiping the Lord this morning was just amazing. And I'm just so thankful for that opportunity. So awkward transition. We're in week three of our... Um, series starting off on the right foot. And, uh, I pray it's been a blessing to you. Uh, we're going to talk this morning and continue to talk about our desire, which in this series has been really about growing in wisdom and discernment as we live this life for Christ. We want to grow in wisdom and discernment as we live this life for Christ. If you've missed any of our first couple weeks of the message, uh, you can get it online on our, on our website, northgirland.org. You can get it on our app, 
um, North Goodland, BC in your app store, but we encourage you to go back and, and listen to those as we've covered quite a bit of ground. The first week, we spent a lot of time establishing our foundation for the series, our foundation for why we want to do this series. And so go back and check that out. We talked a lot about um, the life of Solomon. And when he was initially put as king, uh, he was able to request something of God and he did not request wealth or power, or popularity, but he requested wisdom, and specifically wisdom in judging and leading the people. Now, we know we established early on, just because we have wisdom in an area doesn't mean we apply that in that area every single time. And so we know from the life of Solomon that there was decisions he made that were not wise. Having wisdom and using wisdom can sometimes be two different things. I've met a lot of wise people in my life but those people don't always apply that wisdom to their life. They also, at times, will want to impress you with how wise they really are. And those are the people that we tend to be really annoyed with. It's like, that's great. You are awesome. But it's true. People don't really care about how much you know until they know how much you care. And you can have all the wisdom, but if you're not applying it and then loving them in the process, it's going to fall on deaf ears. So here we've been trying to understand from the word of God as we start this year off, how can we start off on the right foot? How can we begin this year in a way that would lead us in wisdom and discernment as followers of Christ? The important thing we have to remind ourselves is we're all learning and growing in Christ. We're all learning and growing in Christ. No one. And I just said this. I know there's a lot of wise people. Some of you are much wiser than me in a lot of areas. I read different individuals that are so much wiser than me. But no matter how wise we think we are, no matter how much wisdom we attain, no matter how much we learn and understand and grow, it comes to being a follower of Christ, we are all growing. None of us have arrived. And we have to be okay with that. The minute we think we've arrived... The minute we open up the Bible and someone says, turn to thus and so passage, and we turn there, and you read the text with the person that's going to teach it, and you go, oh, I know this text. I know where they're going to go. I've got this pretty well laid out. I've shared it before. When we were in Bible college, some friends and I, we would sit in chapel as pastoral majors. You know, as freshmen and sophomore, we pretty much had it figured out, you know. So we would sit there with our one or two years of undergrad theological classes, not a huge achievement, but we were pretty excited about it. We would sit there in chapel and the, and the preacher would come. We'd have all these different speakers and pastors and, I mean, men that ministered for decades with great wisdom. And early on in my college career, I kind of had that attitude like, oh, okay, yeah, I know where he's going to go. And we would sit there and we'd kind of figure out what's the outline going to be, you know, what's his points going to be. Oh, I would have made a better point than that, you know, just like I could have come on now. And it was like the Lord just gave us a wake-up call that you're wasting these opportunities to learn, to grow. But some of us, we get to these points where we think, oh, I got that figured out. The truth is, the minute we think we stop learning and we've arrived, we're actually regressing in our Christian faith. The minute we think, I've got that figured out, I got this, we, and I don't need to learn, I'm, I'm good, I'm no longer teachable, we're actually regressing which actually means we need to be taught again those things that we thought we knew, but we really didn't. And so we need to understand that this morning as we work through these different things that we are not ones who have arrived. We're ones who are growing. We're all students, myself included, of the word of God. And we need to continue to be students. Even Solomon in his great wisdom still grew in understanding throughout his life. 
ultimately realizing towards the end of his life that pursuing wealth and relationships and all these other things in the world were unsatisfying, like chasing the wind. And he actually concludes, finally, that only the Lord satisfies, as we talked about in December. Once we stop, again, believing we are needing to be taught, we actually regress or go backwards in our Christian lives. This morning, we are discovering that wisdom in 2023, as we strive to understand that from the Word of God, that wisdom in 2023 means we strive to be healthy, not happy. Now, I'm going to unpack that. I'm not suggesting that healthy is not and cannot be people who are also happy. What I'm saying is we need to understand what the goal of our life is. What are we pursuing in this life? And wisdom from God's Word says that we need to be healthy, not merely happy. So let me unpack that a little bit. What do I mean by that idea of healthy? Well, here's kind of a summary statement for the message this morning. And again, if you want to follow along, you have access through the app on our uh, app there. You can get the notes. You can go to the media and then sermon notes, and then you'll see today's date and there'll be a fill in there. You can actually follow along if you would like to. But kind of a summary statement for our message this morning is our goal as followers of Christ is not happiness but biblical healthiness, which means striving for Christ-likeness. So if I had to summarize kind of my heart this morning and what I would like us to kind of come to an understanding of is that our goal as followers of Christ is not happiness. Maybe we could say not merely happiness, not temporary happiness, not momentary happiness, not worldly happiness. It's not happiness, but biblical healthiness which means striving for Christ-likeness. Striving being a key word in this understanding because none of us are fully Christ-like completely this side of heaven without any need to grow. We just established we're all growing. Now, praise God, when we come to Christ and he seals us and redeems us and saves us, in the heavenly places, we are already seated. We are already in the heavenlies. What does that mean? Our salvation is secure eternally because of the gift of Jesus Christ by the sealing of the Holy Spirit and the goodness of the Father. But this side of heaven, we're still growing. We're still learning. We're still being shaped and molded into the person and work of Jesus Christ. We're becoming more and more like Christ in our actions and our attitudes and our habits and our words. And so when I say striving for Christ-likeness, what I mean is, yes, in Jesus Christ, we are fully saved, fully redeemed, completely and 100% saved. But this side of heaven, we're being shaped by the work of the Holy Spirit. We're being pruned so that we might produce fruit, more fruit, and much more fruit. We're being shaped by the word of God, by prayer, by the moving of the spirit as we gather together as a church so that we will grow into Christ. Now, again, this is not saying that that we're like Christ and divinity. This is saying that we want the same attitude, the same mindset as Christ. We want to live in a way that honors the will of the father as Christ demonstrated. Happiness in and of itself is temporal and fleeting. But being fully devoted followers of Christ leads to deep and lasting joy. Happiness in the sense of cultural happiness, simple happiness, emotional. Okay, I'm happy today because I found a good parking spot. I'm not happy today because it's a bad hair day. Okay, whatever. That kind of happiness, that understanding of happiness in and of itself is temporal and fleeting. It comes and it goes. Some of you were happy two years ago buying eggs. Some of you are not happy yesterday buying eggs. It's fleeting. It's moment. It's dependent upon circumstance, right? How the day goes or how things go, I'm happy. I'm not happy. 
Happiness in and of itself is temporal and fleeting, but being a fully devoted follower of Christ, when that's my goal, that's what I'm striving for, that will lead to deep and lasting joy, which at times will make us happy. Brings happiness, but that in and of itself is not the goal. And that's where we have to make sure we stay locked in. We have all heard people say something like, I don't think God would want me unhappy. Or just do what makes you happy. The reality is that is dangerous and even damning thinking. It can lead you down a road of sin and destruction. Do whatever makes you happy. That's scary stuff. There are some times that I think doing certain things will make me very happy. And that are not good things. Right? Like when you're driving down the road and you're like, if I push this guy off into the ditch, I'd probably be happy with that. The preacher just say that he did pray for your preacher growing. We're all growing. We're all striving. And that's a silly illustration, but think about that. That is dangerous thinking. Do whatever makes you happy. If you're married this morning, that's not how you live in a relationship with your husband or wife. You don't enter a relationship with your spouse and say, I'm going to do whatever makes me happy. No, 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 no. As followers of Christ, we wake up every morning and say, first and foremost, I want to please the Father. What am I doing to please Him? What am I doing to honor Him? Because, by the way, Jesus Christ died for me. I need to please and live my life for Him. And secondly, we look at those that God has blessed us with in our families. A spouse or children. And we say, okay, what can I do to serve them? To help them to grow? To minister to them? By the way, sometimes that means you're going to make decisions that don't make them momentarily happy but prayerfully will lead them to being fully devoted followers of Christ who have deep and lasting joy. When we're training up children, the Bible says to train up a child, to nurture a child. That means you have to say no at times to something that they want that will make them happy because you know as the parent, that's not wise. But a child's not, this makes me happy. I just want to go do it. Makes me happy. Ice cream at 7.30 in the morning, that makes me happy. What's wrong with that? By the way, I don't know if there's anything wrong with that. I'm just using it as an example. If you want to eat ice cream at 7.30 in the morning, God bless you. Okay, Liberty in Christ, I guess. I don't know. But you understand what I'm saying here? We have to think this way. But the culture doesn't want us to think this way. Our flesh doesn't want us to think this way. Do whatever makes you happy. Would God really ever want me unhappy? I heard a speaker say one time when people say that to him, he says, let me get this right. The son of God, the perfect, spotless, sinless son of God was put on a cross, beaten, crucified, bled and died for the sins of the world. But God wouldn't want you unhappy. Do you see how silly this can be? The truth is God is willing to allow us to go through things that do not make us quote unquote happy naturally because those things are refining and conforming us into the image of Christ, which brings again true joy or spiritual happiness. Let's go to first Peter chapter four. We're going to use this text as kind of a a springboard into the rest of the message. First Peter chapter four, look at verse 12. So if you're using one of the Bibles provided, there are some Bibles in the seat backs there and If you're using one of the Bibles provided, you can turn to page 856. 856, if you're using one of the Bibles provided. 1 Peter chapter 4, verse 12. 
Beloved, and I love that word in Scripture, when we are the church and we are called beloved. And I love this because it reminds us of our identity. It reminds us of who we are in Christ. I love the book of Ephesians for that reason. I'm reading through that again in the mornings and just kind of reminding myself that I love that Paul takes time to establish our identity in Christ. Then he moves into practical application of how we live as followers of Christ. And then he ends with reminding us of who we are in Christ and what God has provided to us in Christ so that we might live for his glory. And here we see Peter similarly reminds us of our identity first. Beloved, you are loved of God. You are loved of God. Think it not strange concerning the fiery trial which is to try you as though some strange thing happened unto you. But rejoice inasmuch as you are partakers of Christ's sufferings, that when his glory shall be revealed, you may be glad also with exceeding joy. If you be reproached for the name of Christ, happy are ye, for the spirit of glory and of God resteth upon you, and their part he is, I'm sorry, and you, on their part, he is evil spoken of, but on your part, he is glorified. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your word. It is truly a, a light unto our path, a lamp unto our feet. It reveals before us those next steps we can take as followers of Christ. Thank you for the word that reminds us that these things we go through, these difficult seasons and Lord, how gracious you are to orchestrate this whole morning together. That, Lord, from the opening song, that the battle belongs to the Lord, to, to again, as was already shared, you know, Dave's uh, song, The Anchor Holds, and all that that represents, that the ship is battered. The waves, they still beat against the ship, but that anchor, that anchor in Jesus Christ, that eternal security we have in the personal work of Jesus Christ is secure. Because if we are in your hand and your hand is in the Father's hands, no one can pluck you out of our hand, out of your hand. And so, Father, thank you for this morning. And I pray that we would know that as Peter reminds us here that our identity in Christ does not change because of the circumstances we go through, that difficult seasons come into our lives, persecution, various things, trials, different things, Lord. And when those things come, Lord, so many of us can get discouraged or just disheartened. But Lord, reality says, and your word says, that we actually find joy in those things. Why? Because it, it makes us partakers in the sufferings of Christ. It aligns us with our Savior. And you are glorified. Help us to look into your word this morning and continue to grow thereby. Help us to understand that to be fully devoted followers of Christ is our goal. That joy comes when we commit our lives to you and Lord, yes, at times that may lead us into situations that don't make us naturally happy or, or culturally, that understanding of the word happiness, Lord. But there are times that when we go through those things, Lord, that we find joy and peace even in the midst of struggle. And so thank you, Father, for your word that you're so good to give to us. And thank you for your spirit, which affirms these truths in our hearts and minds. And Lord, again, may you be glorified in all of this. We ask in Jesus' name. Amen. So we all know that there are times in this life that we go through things that we don't really look forward to. And Peter says this is a good encouragement to remember that the trials you go through are not fruitless. They're not wasted, but they're beneficial. There's a weight, there's a value to them. Why? Because it draws us to being more like Christ. 
that's really what we want to talk about the rest of this morning is what does it mean to live healthy Christian lives? Now, we all know that this month, being January, being the new year, you've all seen the commercials, right? About getting back into shape or, or getting back into a good diet or trying to watch what we eat or trying to do these things or have certain things. And, you know, gym memberships are really cheap right now, right? And there's, there's all that push culturally because a lot of people are coming to a new year, making these goals, making these decisions and, and thinking about how to get healthy physically, how to get back into shape physically. Now, I'll be the first to admit to you that I definitely can grow in this area. I may or may not enjoy a bowl of frosted flakes before bed at night. And I think I've heard eating frosted flakes at like 1030, that's not real good for you. I think I've heard that or I read that somewhere. I don't know. But we can all agree that obviously there's benefit in getting into getting healthy thinking with our bodies. And there's obviously nothing wrong with living a healthy life physically, which to be honest leads to honoring God with our bodies and living a long life full of serving him. If we don't take care of the bodies that God has given us, we will not live long lives to glorify and honor him and serve him. There's nothing wrong with that. But I want to take this analogy of living healthy Christian lives and I want to expand it out even bigger. I don't want to think about just physical understanding of that word. Although we'll talk about that as we're living as fully devoted followers of Christ, that comes into play. There's, that's a part of this. But I don't want to just stay there. I don't want to just think about that. I want to talk about a bigger picture of this. And I'd like to continue to use this analogy of healthiness for the believer relating to our desire for Christ-likeness. So when I talk about being healthy, you know, in this context, we're talking about Christ-likeness, okay? So healthy Christian means Christ-like Christian, striving for Christ-likeness, striving to live in a way that honors him and please him and glorify him, okay? So that's how we're using that analogy this morning. And we'll talk about that in different ways, but I believe there's some connections we can make here to that idea. The first thing I want to point, point out in your notes is that healthiness starts with a choice. Healthiness starts with a choice. This is true both in our analogy and also true physically. So what choice do we need to make? Well, I choose what's best. I choose what's best. As we have said through this series every week, discernment is often between what is wise and unwise. Another way to say this is choosing between what is good and what is best. Now, instantly when I say that, you go, great preacher, but I've made some pretty unwise decisions recently. I've chose some things that weren't wise, or I'm not really making wise choices. I haven't been making wise choices. So I can pretty much say I'm already out of the game, right? No, praise God for his grace. Amen. If you're sitting here today and you're like, you know what? I've made some pretty foolish choices in the past, near past, or this morning. You are in great company because just as we're all growing together, we're all also growing together in this area of learning what it means to surrender our lives to Christ. We've all, everyone in this room, I'm not going to ask you to raise your hand, but if I said, how many of you would admit honestly that the Lord led you in some way this week to either do, say, whatever, and you know, no, raise your hand, but you know you were disobedient. I'm just going to guess there would be some hands going up. Uh, by the way, I could raise my hand and say there were some times this week that I probably really wasn't obedient to what the Lord really had for me. See, we're all understanding this. We've all made unwise decisions. Don't you dare think for a second that that somehow discounts you from what God wants to do in the present and in the future. No, no, no. You know what we do? We do what the Bible says. We repent. 
We say, Lord, those were unwise decisions. I may have to live with some consequences from those unwise choices. I may have to reap some things from those choices. I don't really want to reap, but you know what? I made the choice, and if I sow it, I'm going to reap it, and so I'm going to reap those. But praise God, you even take that and you use it for your glory and my blessing. I'm just going to glorify you. Lord, give me wisdom not to make those choices again. See, we don't let the past mistakes beat us up and hold us back. We let them help us to grow in learning and understanding and discernment. So that we say, Lord, I don't want to go back there. Give me wisdom. See, I want to choose what's best, not just what's good. There are many good things we can do or spend our time doing. But we must ask ourselves, is this the best for me and for God's glory? Is this the best thing that God would have for me or is this just good? To be honest, this is so vital because when it becomes our measuring stick, what is best and what is good, what is glorifying to God and what is just temporary, when this becomes our measuring stick, we will find ourselves willfully choosing what may not make us naturally happy, but brings the ultimate blessing because it's best. I know I need to learn this in my life at times. If I know, okay, so the best thing is, is what God is leading in this area. Now, that may not make me momentarily happy because it's inconvenient, it's uncomfortable, it might cost me something. I might have to put some work in here. I don't really want to do that. But I'm going to choose what's best because that's what's going to glorify God and be the best for me. So I choose what's best, but also I choose what takes work. I choose what takes work. An author famously said, Anything worth something takes work. Anything worth something takes work, takes effort. And I believe this is true in our lives in Christ. A healthy walk with Christ means putting in the effort and disciplining ourselves in prayer, study of the word, in service, and so on. We must train ourselves in the things of Christ. Paul actually speaks to this very analogy in 1 Corinthians chapter 9, I'm just going to read a, a reference here. 1 Corinthians chapter 9 and verse 27, he says this, I strictly discipline my body and make it my slave. I strictly discipline my body and make it my slave. What is he saying? I'm in control. Now, why does Paul say that? Because there was moments in Paul's life, as in all of our lives, he wasn't in control. Romans chapter 7, I do what I don't want to do and what I want to do I don't do. Why is that? Because there's sin in me. So Paul's saying, I'm not saying I'm there. I'm not saying I'm perfect. I'm striving for what purpose? To discipline my body so that I'm in control. What's he saying? I'm putting in the work. Now, those of you that have desired and, and made a choice to live a healthy life, meaning physically or just in those ways, you've understood it takes work. It takes effort. Spiritually, there's no difference. If we want to live Christ-like healthy lives, it takes work. It takes opening the Bible. I should say opening the app on your phone if that's where your Bible is. There you go. So hopefully I've included everyone on this. I don't want to offend anyone. A preacher said, I got to get a paper Bible. I thought my phone was sufficient. Okay. It takes getting into God's word, time of study and prayer. Now, I know what you're thinking, but as a Christian, should it really feel like work if I'm praying and studying? I understand that as we're followers of Christ, it will come naturally at times in our lives. where We just want to be in the word. We want to pray. But if we're being honest, we're still in the flesh. And there's times where you wake up in the morning and you just don't feel like doing your devotion. 
Because you're like, 10 more minutes sounds like a lot more fun of sleep than doing my devotion. And by the way, you're not a horrible, wretched, despised sinner Christian because you made that or had that temptation. But the point is, there's times we have to be disciplined. I love that Paul uses that word, discipline. It's an effort. It takes work. It's not going to always come easy. Why? Because your flesh is warring against you. Your flesh does not want you in the word. Your flesh does not want you praying. Why? Because when you feed the spirit in those areas, you're quenching the flesh. And the flesh isn't very happy in those moments. But we discipline our bodies. Paul, in that same passage, I love another translation of these same verses. So if you look at verses 25 to 27 of 1 Corinthians 9, and I believe this is in the notes for your sake or for the study later. He says this, another translation says this way. So I run with purpose in every step. Again, use the analogy of activity and running and competition or an athletic understanding. So I run with purpose in every step. I am not just shadow boxing. It's not that it's just fruitless. It's not that it's just wasted time. There's purpose here. It says, I discipline my body like an athlete, training it to do what it should. I run with purpose in every step. As we walk with Christ in this world and in this flesh, it will take work on our part. It takes effort on our part. But let me say this. If you're here this morning, and you're like, man, preacher, I, I, I want that. And I want to be disciplined. Because here's the thing. Some of you know individuals who are living disciplined healthy Christian lives and you're seeing the fruit that they're experiencing. You're seeing the joy that they have and you're not seeing that in your own life yet. You're not seeing some of that same fruit and don't get caught up and think, well, man, I got to get there tomorrow. I got to hurry up and get there. Don't compare yourself to someone else. But I understand we see those things and we we're like, man, what's different about them? You know what it is? They're just putting in the work. Now here's the difference though, between this and the physical in the spiritual sense, We will grow so fast when we put in the work because we're not really doing the work. You make a choice to say, I'm going to read the word. But guess what? The minute you open the Bible and you start reading that word, the spirit of God starts working. And man, you start getting healthy real quick. The spirit of God begins to convict you of something that you need to get rid of and let go of and move on from. And you can move on from that. And then the healthiness will start to come. And there'll be this joy and this peace that'll come. So that's the beauty of this idea that, yes, we need to put in the work. But if you're feeling incapable, you're feeling weak, you're feeling undisciplined, you're feeling like, I can't really do this. Stop believing the lies. All it is is me going, Lord, I surrender. I want to be a follower of Christ. I'm going to follow you, Lord. And the minute we make that choice to just surrender, man, the spirit of God will begin to work. And the Lord will begin to move. And the strength that you think you don't have, you've already had the whole time through the Spirit of God. And you'll find yourself just with this growing passion, a desire. But it takes an effort. This is why Paul wrote all the letters he wrote to the local churches. Because they are like us. This is why Paul says in Ephesians 1 and Ephesians 3, Man, I'm praying for you. That you would grow in the hope of your calling. That you would grow in understanding these things and the hope of Christ and all that Christ has done for you. Why? Because the church at Ephesus, as great a church as it was, was still growing, still learning, still getting healthy. So as we run this race, this life that is laid before us, we run with purpose in every 
step. Why? Because every step we strive for Christ's likeness. We strive to honor him and be devoted to him. And as we're doing that, here's what we're going to realize. We're going to realize that healthiness brings about a realization of real benefits. Healthiness relating to our walk with Christ brings a realization of real benefits. There's actual fruit to this that we're going to be able to partake in. Now, as I was thinking on this topic back here a few weeks ago, and I was kind of just jotting down some ideas of what the Lord was leading. And this week, as I was preparing again, I was thinking back to this idea and I was thinking, okay, if you bear with me a little longer on this analogy, because by the way, it's, it's more than an analogy in a sense, because I do believe that our healthiness in Christ will lead to healthiness in other areas, emotionally, spiritually, physically, all those things that we're going to talk about. But as I was thinking about that, I was like, okay, purely physical, purely cultural, purely just a worldly understanding, what are the benefits of living a healthy life? So I just did some research. I looked up a handful of articles, did a quick couple searches online. And basically, I mean, there was different aspects of this, but basically there was lists that I found. Hey, here's some practical benefits of getting healthy physically, right? Watching what you eat, exercise, think about things in the right way, take care of yourself, those kind of things. What were some cultural understandings, just worldly understandings of benefits that come from living a healthy life? Well, here's the basic list of things that I found. Improve your physical health. Improve your mental health or mental well-being. You'll have more energy naturally. You'll have a better mood. And also you'll be able to better protect against disease and health issues. Now that's just a physical understanding of healthiness. And what does the world think? If there's benefits to being healthy physically, what does that look like? Well, improve your physical health, improve your mental health or your mental well-being, have more energy naturally, have a better mood, and protect against disease and health issues. So I was thinking about that this week. And I was like, Lord, I see all the connections. I mean, we see these same connections in our own spiritual lives. So I believe we can use these natural benefits as an illustration of the benefits of living a healthy Christ-like life. What do I mean? Well, let's talk about physical health for a second. We see our bodies as the temple of God and desire to honor God in what we do with our bodies. As followers of Christ living healthy Christian lives, we see our bodies as the temple of God and desire to honor God with our bodies and what we do with our bodies. Now, this is key. This is a difference here. Not just in what we eat, and how we exercise. But as Paul says in Romans, we surrender our members to righteous acts as a living sacrifice. That means what we physically do with our bodies. It's not just about what we put in our bodies and how we exercise and stay fit. What we do with our bodies. Man, we need to surrender our bodies to him as a living sacrifice. That means where I go, what I see, what I say, what I do with my hands, all of it. It's for him and for his glory. You see the connection there? When we're living healthy Christian lives and we're striving for these things, we'll stop thinking of our bodies as our bodies. And we'll go, man, this has been bought with a price. This has been ransomed by Christ. And so I can't tell God, no, I'm not going there. I have to say to God, no, Lord, I'll go wherever you call me to go. Even if it makes me unhappy in the moment. What would it be an example of that? Many, many missionaries have gone through this. 
Do you think every missionary was happy to sell a home that they worked hard to buy and provide for, to sell property that they invested in? To, do you think they were happy emotionally, physically, naturally leaving family and friends that they grew up with? Do you think they were happy emotionally, naturally when they had to tell their parents, you're not going to see your grandkids for four to six years at a time? But don't worry, we'll be home in six years. You can see them for two weeks and then we're gone again. But you know why these missionaries and why so many followers of Christ have done this and sold everything and moved overseas? Because they knew their bodies weren't theirs. They were bought with a price. And this is going to bring glory to God. It's going to bring joy because I'm serving him. And you know what? There will be happy seasons. But this is why happiness isn't the goal. Christ's likeness is the goal. Our bodies are not ours. We don't get to tell God, no, I do what I want with my body. If you're in Christ, it's been paid for. If you're not in Christ, your body is still his. It's just on lease to you. And one day you'll give an account for what you do with it. And the Bible says everyone will stand before the judge and will give an account. Those in Christ will be taken into heaven. And the joy of the Lord because of what Christ did for us, not because of anything we've done. And those that are not in Christ will be sent away into a place of hell eternal suffering. So this is an important decision to make. What are you doing with your body? Whose body is it really? When we think about also living a healthy Christ-like life, we talk about mental health. We discipline our minds, as Paul says in Philippians 2, 1 through 5, and also in Philippians 4, 8, so that we would think as we should about ourselves, about God, and about others. Philippians 2, let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus, who humbled himself. Philippians 4, 8, if there be any virtue, if there be any praise, think on these things. So we see a growth and understanding of how our minds work when we discipline our minds, as Paul says. Paul also says, take thought, every capt- or take captive every thought that stands against the things of God and we surrender it to him. When we're living those healthy Christian lives, our physical health will improve. Our mental health will improve. How about more energy? Now, this one I was like, I don't know, Lord. (laughs) But I was just reading some things and thinking through some things. And and the Lord kind of just was helping me understand that as we grow in Christ, we realize that we balance rest and work, discovering that God will give us strength we need to endure the seasons of life. That you will find yourself having more energy to do what God has called you to do, even though those around you seem to be working more. And you're taking time to rest, but you're resting in the Lord and he's giving you that strength to actually be productive and have energy to do the things that he's called you to do. He is giving you that strength. Isaiah says this, right? Those that wait upon the Lord will mount up, right? There'll be strength. How about a better mood? When we are living healthy Christian lives, our attitudes, our words, and how we treat others will be better. Now, I'm really thankful. As I looked around, I didn't see any spouses elbowing anyone. I didn't see anyone looking at anyone. I didn't see anyone being like, right here, say that again. But let's be real for a minute here. When we are living healthy Christian lives, our attitudes, that's our mindset, our actions will reflect a better attitude, and our words will be better. And we talked about this summer, James chapter 3. You say you're religious, you say you're a follower of Christ, but is your words, are your tongue, or is your tongue constrained by the Holy Spirit, being restrained by the Spirit, or do you just say whatever you think? What does wisdom say? Do we just speak for the words of, or for the sake of speaking, or do we pray over what we say because it's words that are fruitful? 
Are we speaking life or are we speaking death? Are we speaking encouragement or are we speaking condemnation? Are we lifting people up or tearing people down? Well, yeah, but what I said was true. That's fine, but we speak truth in love. Are your words full of gossip and bitterness towards others? Do you say things to others to try to make yourself seem smarter, wiser, more important? You see, your mood, your attitude all influences that. You might say, well, I'm not in a very good mood. I understand. Again, we're not talking about happiness. Our mood's not based on the circumstances around us. Our attitude is based on the personal work of Jesus Christ and what he's done for us. The New Testament is full of admonishes, or full of examples and admonishes us to speak with grace, to have compassion, to love one another. This type of attitude starts with healthy thinking. How will I have healthy thinking? Well, I need to get my mind centered on the things of Christ. Lastly, another example, as we can use this illustration of an understanding of physical health spiritually. When we live healthy Christian lives, we will be able to prevent against diseases and health issues. Now, what do I mean there? When we come to Christ, we are redeemed and healed from the disease of sin completely. We are washed by his wounds. We have been healed. Yet in this life, we still battle against sin. And as followers of Christ, when we give in to sin, we are allowing that sickness to affect us. We are allowing the sickness of sin to affect us and have have control over us in that season. What does the disease of sin look like? Well, symptoms for this include, for the follower of Christ, shame, guilt, broken relationships, broken trust, addictions, Loss of a sense of identity and loss of a sense of purpose. And if you've given into sin as a follower of Christ and you've allowed sin to that sin sickness to creep into your life for a decision that you've made, you're seeing these symptoms and you're battling against them. And I just want to tell you, there's only one remedy and it's repentance. And when you repent and you turn back to Christ, it's not that you're getting saved again. That's sealed in the blood of Christ. That's finished on the cross. It's saying, no, Lord, I want to restore this relationship. And so I repent. I turn back to you and he restores us. And he, he fills us with his presence. And we're again, we're brought alleviation from that sin sickness. See, when we live healthy Christian lives, it brings a realization of real benefits. There's fruit to this living. And lastly, another realization that it brings to us is that ultimately it's not about me. That this life is not about me. One more passage I want to turn to. Romans chapter 11. As we get ready to close. Romans chapter 11. Verse 36. If you're using one of the Bibles provided, you can just turn to page 798. Page 798. But Romans chapter 11. Look at verse 36. Another reference in your notes there is Colossians chapter 1. So I encourage you to read that on your own. But it's a similar idea when Paul writes to the church of the Colossae and shares with them the same truth. But Romans chapter 11, look at verse 36. This is one of those simple, but yet I really believe life-altering verses. For of him and through him and to him are all things. To whom be glory forever. Amen. For of him and through him and to him are all things. To whom be glory forever. Amen. As we strive to live with heavenly wisdom, 
We realize that my goal in this life is not to do whatever makes me happy, but to understand that life that I now live in the flesh, I live by the faith of the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. I live this life to please the Lord and to glorify him. Paul says in Romans 11, everything is for him. Everything is to him. That means your life is a sacrifice of praise to him. We don't wake up in the morning and say, all right, I'm going to do whatever makes me happy. No, as followers of Christ, we say, Lord, I want to do whatever pleases you, glorifies you, because this is all for you. So I want to ask you this morning, would you say that's how you're living your life? Would you say that you're committing to putting in the work and training and discipline to see that the joy of the Lord comes when we choose to live spiritually healthy lives? What healthy spiritual habits is the Lord calling you to make a part of your daily life? What benefits have you experienced from choosing the best over the good? And how can you share that with others so that they might be encouraged? I always love hearing people share their stories of physical healthiness and how God has set them free from different things and how God has brought restoration to different things and helped them to see that our identity is not wrapped in what they look like, but who they are in Christ. And I, I love hearing those stories and seeing those things. And, and yet, man, I, I wonder if we could share those things spiritually with one another, how God has grown us into a healthy Christian life. And now we see the fruit of things. I'm not talking about boasting and being, oh, look what I've done. No, because if we're living healthy Christian lives, we know it's really him doing it in us. And so how can you share with somebody, Lord, Lord, help me to have an opportunity to share with somebody. This is the, the discipline that I've seen in my life, and this is how it's fruitful in helping those around me. What are some spiritual habits, some healthy spiritual habits that God is encouraging you to make a part of your daily life? And don't start tomorrow. Whenever people talk about getting healthy, well, I'll start on Monday. I'll start on the first. I'll start on this. No, no, no. Start today. Start right now. Lord, what is that healthy habit I need to start in my life spiritually? Do I need to grow in prayer? Do I need to get into the word? Do I need to make it a discipline to spend time reading the Bible? I had somebody tell me just recently that they really had never made a daily discipline of studying the word. And they made a decision to start doing that. Man, what a blessing. See, we look around and we see, well, everybody here, you know, we've gone to church together a long time. I'm sure everybody here reads the Bible. I'm sure everybody hears in the Bible daily. The reality is everyone in this room, if you're a follower of Christ, that's your desire. But life happens. So what do we do? We discipline ourselves. No, nothing's going to take my time from Jesus. This is my time in the word because I want to know him more so that I can glorify him because he is that amazing, that gracious, that good, and that loving. So what habit are you going to start today? Let's pray. Father, we thank you for this morning. And Lord, I pray that you would use this message this morning. Lord, I pray that I in no way got in your way, was confusing. I pray that there was a clarity that your spirit took even my simple, finite words and used it for your glory. That somebody here was challenged, encouraged, maybe convicted and drawn to repentance. Lord, if that happened, it has nothing to do with me. It has everything to do with you. Lord, I pray that we would take this simple illustration, something our world very much understands, especially this time of year, and I pray that we would apply it to our lives spiritually, that you're calling us to live spiritually healthy lives, that there are some things in our lives, Lord, that we need to surrender to you. There's some areas in our lives, Lord, that need to go. 
because they're not the best. They're hurting us spiritually. Maybe something we're watching or something we're listening to. If you will, Lord, it's, it's kind of like that junk food that just needs to go. It's not beneficial. I pray you'd give us wisdom and discernment as only you can. And Lord, again, at the end of the day, not so that we can boast in who we are and what we've done, but we can boast in who you are. Because all of this is to you, and it's for you, and it's for your glory. So Lord, help us to start those habits today. To commit to them, to be disciplined in them. To choose what takes work. Because we see the benefits. We understand there's a benefit there. Your word tells us that. And we want to live the abundant life. We want to enjoy the moments you give us, Lord. So help us to strive to live this way for your glory. Thank you for the strength to do so. And again, pray if anyone here doesn't know you as their Lord and Savior, they'd repent of their sins, turn and trust in you, not, not thinking good works or religion or church are going to save them, but only trusting in the person and work of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of sins will lead to everlasting life. Father, again, work as only you can. Give us your wisdom, we ask in Jesus' name. Amen. Would you stand to your feet this morning? As we spend some time in invitation this morning, a simple response. If you want to come forward and bend a knee and say, Lord, here's the habit I need to start today. Maybe you would just come and say, Lord, help me to get healthy spiritually. I want to live a Christ-like, fully devoted life. Maybe you'd come and make that decision today. Do the work. Whatever it is that God is leading in your life, would you respond as we sing?